Hello and welcome back to Ethically Sourced, a supplement to the Black Doctors podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Bradley, your host. This week, I'm going to be talking about some new legislation that's kind of revolutionizing the world of military medicine. As a caveat, these are my own beliefs and information. I don't, rec- I don't represent the Department of Defense or the United States Navy or any governmental organization. This week, I'm going to be talking about the Ferris Doctrine and some recent legislation that didn't quite repeal this, this act, but does provide more protections for military service members and allow them to have some protection in regards to medical malpractice. So a little background, the Ferris Doctrine has been on the books since around the 1950s. It was a federal case that involved three different individuals. Obviously, one was a uh, last name Ferris. He was a service member who died in a barracks fire, I believe, in New York. And his widow sued the government, claiming negligence because they knew the barracks was at risk, was a fire hazard, and they did nothing to fix it. So she attempted to sue the government for damages due to negligence. The other two cases involved in the initial Ferris Doctrine lawsuit, and I'm obviously not a lawyer, so I'm probably um, misusing these terms, but the Jefferson case, this was an individual in the Army who had surgery on his stomach, and eight months later, they had he had another surgery, and at that point in time, they removed a towel that was 30 inches long by 18 inches wide and was marked Medical Department U.S. Army. So they found this in his stomach, they took it out, and this individual was attached to this lawsuit complaining negligence by this Army surgeon. The third case was the Griggs case. It was dismissed. It's alleged that while on active duty, this individual was lost due to medical negligence and unskilled medical treatment by Army surgeons. And these were initially the cases embroiled in the Ferris Doctrine. What ultimately happened with the Ferris Doctrine or the Ferris versus United States court trials was that the Supreme Court of the United States held that the United States is not liable under the Federal Tort Claims Act for injuries to members of the armed forces sustained while on active duty and not on furlough and resulting from a negligence of others in the armed services. Essentially, this bars service members from collecting damages from the U.S. government for personal injuries received in the performance of their duties. This is a lot to unpack. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of opinions on military healthcare and military medicine and what actually goes on in military treatment facilities. Some people think military care is the best that they've ever received. Some people think it's the worst. Some people think it's somewhere in between. Again, this doesn't uh, reflect the views of the Department of Defense or the United States Navy or military medicine. When it comes to the Ferris Doctrine, though, it is fairly well known by most service members that they cannot sue if they are the victim of medical malpractice. And at the very least, this is in the back of some people's minds and factors into their opinion of the care that they receive. When it comes to dependents, so people that are not on active duty, children of service members or spouses of uh, service members, there is uh, some protection there where they are able to receive damages for military or for medical malpractice. It's a lot of things to take into consideration and the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law because to some extent, you know, joining the military, you do willingly place your life at risk and in danger in different circumstances. And a lot of times, whether you're being treated on the battlefield for your injuries or receive uh, damages from following orders, the U.S. government doesn't necessarily or shouldn't necessarily be responsible to pay damages in those cases. I think that's kind of the spirit of the legislation. However, it has been kind of used as a across the board with regards to military medicine. 
there's been additional challenges to the Ferris Doctrine, such as the Miller versus United States case where a midshipman, so a student at the Naval Academy, um, was knocked unconscious and fell off of a boat and the rescue boat was actually broken and the people that were supposed to be watching out for him were working on the boat. So he attempted to sue for damages. Um, he did have a broken neck and some vestibular nerve damage. And after four years later, he was still unable to walk unassisted. And still the Ferris Doctrine was applied. The court system did kind of address a personal statement to this individual describing why they would not pay for damages, but kind of commiserating with his with, with him. In the Whit versus United States case, this was in 2003, where an airman was being treated for an, uh, for appendicitis. He had a routine appendectomy. And shortly after his surgery, he required reintubation. There was a, a military nurse anesthetist that reinserted the endotracheal tube into his esophagus instead of the trachea. And they did not have the appropriate medical devices to save him. And this person ended up with an anoxic brain injury and was left in a vegetative state and ultimately died three months later back in 2004. So his wife filed a wrongful death suit and of course was denied under the Ferris Doctrine. And if you look at the news, it kind of goes on and on about different service members who have tried, service members and or their family who have tried to, and tried and unsuccessfully tried to sue the government on behalf of medical malpractice claims. Case after case can be, can be seen online. And ultimately, I think it does continue to fuel those opinions and those concerns that people may not be getting the best care in military medicine. Now, I can speak from experience. I do work in, in the Navy and as a military physician, and I, I have some absolutely phenomenal partners, people that I get to work with. And I think the same can be said for civilian facilities. You have civilian facilities with fantastic medical staff and then some with not so fantastic medical staff. The difference there being that if something bad happens, you have legal recourse, whereas in the military, not so much. So over the years, people have tried to overturn this Ferris Doctrine. And the most recent and pretty much the most successful case recently has been this uh, Richard Stayscowl Military Medical Accountability Act of 2019. And this case was introduced by a an army uh, service member who suffered from terminal lung cancer because military doctors twice failed to diagnose and inform him of this cancer. He was unable to file his lawsuit, of course, due to the Ferris Doctrine. He retained civilian representation and they tried his medical malpractice case and was able to ultimately draft a bill in his name to lobby Congress to change the Ferris Doctrine. So in December of 2019, the president signed the National Defense Authorization Act into law. This allows service members to file a claim for medical malpractice at medical facilities. And active duty service members now have a right to file a medical malpractice claim and to be compensated. So this bill partially overturned the Ferris Doctrine, and this had never been successfully done or successfully challenged before. To break down specifically what the changes are by this uh, this new legislation. Active duty service members can now file claims against military doctors, hospitals, nurses, medics, and other medical personnel for malpractice. These claims, however, are limited to an administrative remedy with litigation in federal courts still being prohibited. So they can currently file an administrative claim requesting compensation for injuries sustained while under the care of a negligent Department of Defense medical professional. Unfortunately, the administrative decision cannot be appealed or contested. Now, service members and their families have two years after an incident 
in which to file a claim. Once reviewed and approved by the defense secretary, the Department of Defense can directly pay out up to $100,000 to settle a claim. And beyond that, the case will be referred to the Treasury Department for payment. Um, some of the other side of the argument or the, the explanations given for not overturning the Paris Doctrine is that there is a system for damages in the military with uh, the Veterans Administration and military benefits. And some people use that as an excuse essentially to not overturn the Ferris Doctrine. Senator Lindsey Graham is quoted as saying, we have compensation for people who are killed or injured in the military and we're not going to open Pandora's box, which I think is um, not quite looking at the, the full picture. So as healthcare professionals, as physicians, as nurses, as um, nurse practitioners or physician assistants, you know, we have this duty first and foremost to our patients to provide outstanding medical care, evidence-based medical care that is in the standard, standard of care. And when it doesn't occur for whatever reason, there should be some course of action for the patient to take where they can be compensated for their injuries. So I absolutely think this is a step in the right direction for the military, for the federal government, and for those service members that may unfortunately have been injured through medical negligence or through just bad outcomes in military medicine. So what are your thoughts? If you were thinking about joining the military, you know, a lot of people don't kind of have this in the front and center of their mind when they are thinking about joining. Some people are you know, delighted to have the free health care, which it is free health care. What are your thoughts? Love to hear from you. This is a little less in regards to medical ethics, but it does hit very close to home based upon my practice model and for a lot of people out there that are going to be affected by this newfound um, right and uh, protections. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of Ethically Sourced. Tune in Monday for another episode of the Black Doctors podcast. I'm Dr. Stephen Bradley, your host.